Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening on this Friday or whenever you're choosing to listen to this edition of the pod. We've got a lot to cover, fielded a lot of questions from our Pony Stampede subscribers that we're going to get to on the majority of this podcast. We're about a week into the search for SMU's offensive coordinator now as as Rhett Lashley has departed to Miami. So we'll kind of set the table at least to an extent for you guys in terms of what to expect, what we know a week into this deal as Sonny Dykes looks to find somebody to call the plays next season for Shane Bouchelle in the offense. SMU basketball got a win over UCF. They traveled to East Carolina on Saturday, and so we're going to go over that. We've got some recruiting things to touch on as well. It, it's a it's a loaded pod that that you guys uh, are getting today. But I want to jump in with, with kind of where things stand right now for SMU football. This weekend marks the beginning of the coaches' convention in Nashville. So, for the most part, the majority of the staff will be headed to Nashville. A great time, a great place for those who haven't been there. I highly encourage you to check it out for a weekend. And they'll uh, meet with a lot of coaches from around the country. Just kind of a networking, learning experience, especially for the young coaches, to, to get around, meet some people in the industry, and also uh, learn some new things. And uh, also... Uh, have a good time as well. It's quite the uh, quite the experience. But look, it's it's important for several reasons. One, Sonny Dykes arrived back in Dallas late last night from Cabo and uh, a little vacation with the family, and so they're getting to work today. Staff meetings. They'll they'll have a big all staff meeting. They will meet individually with Sonny Dykes, kind of set the table for the off season, and the players also kind of. Some are in Dallas, some are not. Uh, most new arrivals are are getting to the hilltop today. So guys like Dimitri Jordan and and other uh, people like that, the early enrollees, Carl Taylor, Mason Mastroff arriving uh, in Dallas and, and and enrolling Parker Stone, Henry Mossberg. So those are the new guys that are getting set to begin their time on the hilltop. And then from there, they've kind of got a week where they're off. I mean, there's 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 nothing going on uh, with with the classes. Classes start next Friday, and they'll have kind of a Monday schedule with it being MLK weekend, and then that's when you'll see the team kind of come back together, get with Kaz, and, and start getting to work on the offseason conditioning program. And we'll touch on kind of some some roster notes and things like that as as we get into the the spring in in just a few minutes. But um, for the most part. This is kind of a time where the coaches are really getting back to work. They had their vacations with their families, and and now they're meeting and 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 beginning that work. And and look, I mean, the planning for the the spring has already begun. It's, they're not just starting from scratch, but this is when they'll really start to get going on their recruiting plan, where they're going to visit during the month of January, and 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 begin to kind of make their push for, for any any spring guys that they want to bring in. And we'll touch on Savion Williams, who just dropped his top three later in the pod. But overall, it's a lot of planning. But most importantly for Sonny Dykes, he's going to get a chance this weekend to sit down with some candidates at the coaches' convention and talk with them. I've been told there's been plenty of interest in the job. We're going to be dropping a VIP piece on Pony Stampede later today, uh, Friday, about kind of what I'm hearing on the on the offensive coordinator search, we're going to rule out some names. I think unofficially, at least that that I that I think 
you know, you can, you can kind of push it aside, not to expect and, and things like that, and just kind of really set the table for where the search is at this point. And I'm sure this weekend we will have some sort of names pop up on the site uh, as having talked with Sonny Dykes or, or, or interviewed or emerged uh, in the search for the new offensive coordinator, which you can find on the site. And look, I will plug our, uh, our, our uh, promotion that just started late Thursday night, and that is for, for just a buck, you can get two months of Pony Stampede. So you can get covered all the way through through February signing day and, and certainly um, all the way uh, through most of basketball season just for a dollar. So I highly encourage people to take advantage of it. We had some people jump on board uh, ba- based on the offensive coordinator hot board. And the site is really growing. I mean, it, it is, uh, it's rolling. It, it is a great time to be on Pony Stampede. So definitely take advantage of that, that dollar for, for two months deal that we've got going on right now. It runs all the way through the coaches convention. So, I mean, you can't take advantage of it at a better time. You're going to get plenty of VIP scoop uh, as you uh, sign up for that. If you've been a longtime listener, definitely check out PonyStampede.com. Back on track. Let's start with some of the, the roster uh, notes that I've been asked about. And I feel like I'll answer any subscriber questions through this. But I do want to touch on uh, some things to kind of expect for the spring. And for me, as SMU enters what would be the one, two, uh, third offseason uh, with Kaz Kazadi as the strength and conditioning coach, this thing is, is rolling. I mean, we, we see every year plenty of guys blow up. Guys like Gary Wiley, who look, I think from from a expectations level, he didn't he didn't end up having as big of an impact as many probably would have thought, but guys like that blow up in terms of what they're able to do in the weight room with their size and, and just working with Kaz. And, and so for me, I think, and this is kind of, I'm going to answer this. Uh, it's going to knock out, I think, another part of uh, the podcast question, which was who's going to kind of fill in for Pat Nelson, Trevor Denbo, Cameron Jones, where do those two guys fit? And I think they're going to end up really battling it out for that Pat Nelson role. Both are really athletic guys that can that can come off the edge. And and I think Trevor Denbo, after he moved to safety, I mean, his his role is much better off in the box. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, um, you know, I, I think it, it's going to be it's going to be a much better fit if if he does indeed roll down, roll down to that Pat Nelson role uh, that that really is just a a really important key for this defense, but also just one that allows athletes to make plays. And that's why I think Trevor Denbo and Cameron Jones are the two guys that if you look at the roster makeup right now, those are the two guys you could see emerge at that spot unless they add a transfer, which they very well could. But as of now, I, I would think getting with Kaz, bulking those guys up, bulk, bulking those guys up and getting them ready for that position is probably the best move that SMU can make right now and then kind of see where things go uh, from there at that position. But I think those two guys are much better. We kind of saw Shevin Calloway emerge. We saw Chase Camardi emerge as a, as a freshman, but Shevin really emerged that last game FAU. I thought he had a really good game. He can move back into that true safety spot and play uh, where Rodney Clemens was, which is kind of more of a center fielder type role, while while Chase Cromartie is a natural kind of spot uh, in the Trevor Denbo spot as well. 
uh, and then Colin Rock graduated, and then you've got three young safeties with Carl Taylor enrolling early now, and then Donald Clay and uh, Roderick uh, Roberson on the team now, and all those guys can battle for playing time, and from what I hear, they, they really like where they're at, at at the safety spot from a future perspective. perspective. You could see them at a transfer there, of course, as well, to maybe bring in a veteran voice uh, to that room. But that's what I kind of think in terms of the Pat Nelson role, and that's probably why Cameron Jones, Trevor Denbo, they have two of the most critical off-seasons out of anyone ahead of them. And then from there, on the offensive side of the ball, you flip over to think, to the other side. I think Calvin Wiggins uh, needs to continue to grow, get stronger, and do all those things. And just because he's... Look, he's the length guy out of that out of those those trio of wide receivers that they signed in the 2019 class. He's the one that has the most length, so he's got to continue to just kind of pack on weight and just be ready to go um, from that perspective. Get a little stronger uh, in his hands, but everybody knows what he brings to the table and that speed. and And I think as they they want to maybe make sure that Reggie Robertson isn't isn't overworked. He's a critical guy that's got to have a great offseason. So getting with Kaz will be key. And then TJ McDaniel is another one. He's going to have to carry a much bigger load this year. Running back, Ulysses Bentley is already kind of you look at you, you look at Ulysses, and he's just kind of this like well put together guy that just looks the part already. TJ McDaniel is a big time weight room guy. He's just gotta, he's gonna, you're gonna see him, I think, kind of get get a little bit stronger, get a little bit more uh uh you know, just he's he's just going to get older and and kind of develop more physically, and so I think he's in for a big off season. Especially, you just have to get stronger if you're going to be able to carry the ball as many times as those two guys are expected to next fall. To kind of build off of that, I was asked about Tamaric Williams and the running back room, and and I'll say this: Xavier Jones and Cayman Freeman were great. They they certainly were the one-two punch last year. Tamaric Williams wasn't able to break through. He didn't even crack, really, the top four at running back. And so a lot of people have asked me, do I think he's going to end up staying at running back? Do I think he's going to move to linebacker? I could see him move to linebacker in the books. Look, Tamaric is athletic, but he really hasn't just taken to the running back spot in this offense very, very well. He came from an offense at Angleton High that just was kind of... It's his, it was prehistoric, to be honest. And so it's a, it was kind of a difficult transition for him is what it seems seems like. And you might as well move a really good athlete over to linebacker. I mean, Tameric is a really, really impressive 100-meter guy from high school days, and he's just gotten so big now that he's got the speed. He, he, he wouldn't run what he ran in high school in the 100, but he's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. Move him over to linebacker and let him hit some people and make plays. And that's what I would do. We'll kind of see how they go about it, but I was asked if how SMU feels about the running back room and if they'll add maybe more than one transfers to the room. And I, I think they stick with one running back transfer, a grad transfer that can come in and be a veteran guy, and one that's productive enough that you know you take some of that 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 load off of TJ McDaniel and Ulysses Bentley and let them continue to develop as as they come along in their in their careers. But I, I think they stick with one grad transfer. And the reason why is I did talk with some of the, somebody about Tyler Levine, who's mentioned, and you saw him in the FAU game really run hard and, and make some plays. And, and, and that's, that's why. I mean, Tyler runs really hard. And uh, I, he also uh, had a couple good carries against USF. 
But if you if you play if you get down to it, if they were to be decimated by injuries, that running back room, if it got down to Tamaric Williams, would kind of be in similar shape with with Tyler at the helm. And so that's why I think they're fine with Tyler being that fourth back. And really, they were fine with him being the fourth back this year. You add Xavier Jones and Cayman Freeman, and they burned TJ McDaniel's redshirt. But the fourth guy that they would go to in a game was not Ulysses Bentley because they were trying to redshirt him or Tamaric Williams. It was Tyler Levine. And whenever he got those opportunities, he did fairly well. So I think they're, they feel like they're in good shape with Tyler uh, being that fourth running back in the room uh, once again. So, yeah, I think with the running back room, they'll stick with one graduate transfer that they want to bring in, and, and certainly we'll try to keep you up to date on that. There, there's been a lot of positive feedback in terms of who they want to bring in uh, in that room. So uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, but nothing nothing concrete just yet on, on who they're bringing in for for the uh, for the running back position, but we'll kind of see. SMU does a really good job of bringing in transfers, as everyone knows, and uh, I, I trust that they'll they'll have somebody on the hook that that they feel good about uh, in that room. Kind of continuing to uh, build off the transfer uh, idea, Donovan. I was asked about Donovan Duvernay, uh, transfer from Texas, and I just don't I don't see him being a, a part of the uh, the plans for SMU. I mean, he really hasn't done. Uh, anything uh, at all to really warrant him being somebody, or he's a defensive back, but he hasn't he hasn't done uh, really anything to to really warrant. I think them taking a a, a risk uh, on bringing him in as a, as a defensive back. He's undersized at five nine, and he's he's really fast. He was one of the fastest players in Texas when he came out of Saxe, but I just don't see him being somebody that they bring in. As a grad transfer, um, he'll have uh, just one year, which SMU doesn't typically like uh, when they when they bring in uh, grad transfers, especially at when you're taking a risk on somebody. You want to have somebody that has multiple years, so people like Brandon Stevens and and guys like that that have that Richard McBride that have worked out. You want you want multiple years uh, with them, and so uh, no, I don't see Donovan Duvernay as an option for SMU. And building off of that, I was asked about the corner position and what, what kind of to expect there. And I do see SMU adding, again, a transfer, a veteran player. They, they kind of swung for the fences on, on some corners in the 2020 class, didn't get any that they really felt good about um, to, to bring on board and, and, and you know, contribute, contribute right away. So they're still looking for a corner that can come in and play and, and kind of fill – the role of I think what Robert Hayes and, and hopefully for SMU say kind of you know be better than Robert Hayes was, who played well down the stretch once Armani Johnson got hurt, but you've still got Armani Johnson and Brandon Stevens coming back who in the first four or five games of the year were two of the best corner tandems in the conference. Really impressive. I think Brandon Stevens was leading the country in past breakups. So and those are two guys that one for Armani first time he's played a serious amount of snaps. Two for Brandon, first time he's played corner since high school. Both athletic guys. And again, Armani was a redshirt freshman. So as he continues to develop, he's going to get bigger, stronger. He's going to be able to carry that load of playing a full season better. He had that hamstring issue. So I think this offseason for him is also critical in just getting stronger. And then Brandon Stevens going into his senior year, 
he'll be able to also, again, get bigger, stronger, be able to, to, to play more consistent, I think is probably the key for Brandon. Just because one, you know, the, the book got out on him, I'm, I'm sure at some point, but early on, you can see he's got the talent level, and he, I know he's going to be working with a trainer in Dallas this summer to to really get better and 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 learn the defensive back technique that you need to. And and that's he's not working with a trainer because he can't get better at SMU. But there's only so many hours that you can work on technique with a coach. So he's going to be working with a trainer in Dallas to get better at that. And I think you'll see both of those guys improve. You've got players like Sam Westfall, Terry Keys. Uh, returning to the to the team and 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 certainly uh, you'll hope that they'll continue to develop as as they get as they get older and Justin Guy Robinson still still around as a depth guy but overall I mean it, it's it's a position that I think is is certainly questionable going into 2020 but I think they're they're top two guys you got to feel good about them you know I think taking the next step. I think every football program, you have players that each offseason you identify as players that need to improve, take the next step, and and be be what the coaching staff expects them to be as they continue to develop. Brandon Stevens and Armani Johnson are two of those guys that have to take that next step for SMU. So overall, I think they're in good shape at the top two corner spots. They're going to be looking for a transfer to come in at corner, and um, we'll kind of see what happens with those uh, guys. Now, on the other side of the recruiting aspect, we're now really, I think, focused on 2021 for the most part, but 2020 is still going on, and and on um, on Thursday night, uh, Savion Williams dropped his top three schools, Arkansas, SMU, and TCU, and that's, look, that's a good sign for SMU. If you're making that top three of Arkansas, SMU, and TCU, you've got to be in a at least in a spot where you you can take a shot and certainly be in the running until the end, until National Signing Day for for the East Texas standout. I think right now, if I was if I was if I was handicapping it, I would say I would say SMU's running probably third, maybe second. Arkansas is in a good spot. They retain just, Justin Stepp. Sam Pittman's a really strong recruiter, and he already committed to to Arkansas once. So keeping that continuity is something that I think can really uh, I, I think can really stand out to him, and and maybe he jumps back on board with the Razorbacks. But overall, I, I do think he's probably a little bit more open than maybe even I I thought, and I think for him. We talked about one one person asked about the recruiting impact of Preston Stone on the board. This is where you could see it pay off. Somebody who's a 2020 receiver who sees a four star quarterback jump on board, that's going to be throwing him the ball realistically for most of his career, and that that I think can really help SMU with Savion because you look at Arkansas's quarterback situation, it's pretty horrible, and then TCU they've got Max Duggan. And he'll probably he'd be somebody that would be throwing the ball to to Savion for most most of his career as well. Did he see enough out of him to feel good about that? SMU added Danny Gray. So if you look at okay, if you look at projecting the future, they add Danny Gray and and they and they add um, and they have Calvin Wiggins, who's kind of in a similar mold to Savion Williams. By the time Savion Williams gets on campus, he can redshirt. 
He can have that separation between him and Calvin Wiggins in terms of the classes. And then uh, Danny Gray will be also out the door kind of potentially after he redshirts next season, depending on how good Danny is. But um, look, it, it's uh, it's a dogfight for him. And, and he's a really good player. SMU's in a good spot. We'll see kind of uh, where, where things stand, I think, after his uh, – I think he's going to take a TCU official visit later in the month. And uh, he's already taken an Arkansas official visit, so SMU doesn't have to combat that. And then, um, and then we'll kind of see where where things uh, where things go. Um, now, you want to read more on kind of where things stand with Savion Williams? Definitely check out uh, our breakdown uh, with him of his top three. Gabe Brooks caught up with him on the site, so you can read more on kind of where things stand. Now. Uh, Want to move on and and also say that one uh, check out Pony Stampede because I did drop a, a crystal ball prediction for a 2021 prospect on the offensive side of things. Really, really good player. Think he could jump on board with SMU relatively soon. So check out that pick on the site. Now, uh, next weekend we talked about SMU kind of planning for their recruiting uh, month in, in of January and kind of when the dead period lifts, which which. Uh, is shortly after the national championship game. I think it's the Wednesday after the national championship game that uh, that they do lift that um, they do lift that uh, dead period. SMU is going to host Junior Aho, who's one of the top available defensive ends out of the junior college ranks. Somebody that one super motivated. Nebraska basically cut him uh, in the month of December, right before the early signing period, because. From what I gather, he and and Junior's originally from France, so I think transitioning over to the United States in terms of classwork and grades and all of that has kind of been a not rocky, but it's it's a big time adjustment. And so he's transitioned to the U.S. He couldn't get in in the month of December for Nebraska, so they cut ties. Now he's back on the market. He ran a four six two training in L.A. Uh, in December, so I mean, just a really athletic guy, a lot of length, kind of similar to uh, Devere Levelston, and also he'll have. Four, four years to play three, which is a good good positive. I would say SMU's probably in the lead right now for him uh, based on the fact that they were in it to begin with. They've been recruiting him probably the longest out of anyone. And then um, they, they never really let up once he committed to Nebraska. They were still trying to push and, and kind of change his mind. So they'll host him for an official visit on January 17th. That's uh, something that he tweeted out. So you can uh, kind of read a little bit more on him, where he stands. But he's just kind of more of an intriguing guy that they can bring in. He could even potentially redshirt, uh, especially with where the defensive end room is at. And then he could play those three seasons and really, uh, I think he's got a chance to be really, really good. So kind of a dim- diamond in the rough from a rankings perspective. But uh, Nebraska liked him enough to, to get him on board and committed. And then from there, he's got a lot of um, group of five offers uh, on the table. But there are, there are going to be other programs that – that jump into the mix with him, I think, as as people look for defensive linemen to, to round out their class. Now, um, one quick note with coaches leaving. I was asked about the national letters of intent and if players can get out of them when coaches leave. They do have to request that, but it just doesn't really happen, especially at the on in terms of football players. So I, I wouldn't expect anybody to really get released from their letter of intent, kind of mainly talking about the Baylor players uh, that have been signed by uh, Matt Rule. I was asked about if there was any measurable stats to 
to show growth of SMU football this season. And with SMU being a private school, it's kind of tough to to show. But one, you can look at at attendance, which I believe was up 22% or something around there. That was what I was told uh, of actual tickets scanned. So really impressive kind of growth there. And then you're seeing a good bump in season ticket renewals and, and sales for next year already. Uh, from what I talked to uh, somebody in the athletic department. And then um, another one is uh, I was looking on Twitter and somebody had posted the teams with the most social media growth by percentage or something like that this fall. SMU was right up there uh, with, a, um, with, with, with a large growth in social media following. And then somebody even joked, can you tell a difference in terms of uh, Pony Stampede subscribers? And I said yes, uh, or I'm saying yes on the podcast right now. We've had a huge year. Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. We started about... 460, 470 before the season, and we're closing in on 600 subscribers now. So really impressive run uh, for you guys uh, as subscribers. So I really encourage everybody to jump on Pony Stampede. It's been a phenomenal run. I think it's going to get even better. Uh, We've got a big offseason ahead. We'll see how basketball turns out, maybe a coaching search, and then uh, certainly a a huge 2020 football season. I can't encourage you guys enough to Sign up for Pony Stampede. It's been uh, it's been an awesome season. It's been a heck of a ride, and I'm really really thankful for all of you that have subscribed. Moving back onto the podcast, uh, I was asked to kind of give like a little bit of an early season AAC, per, not predictions, but kind of where things stand. And I'll be honest, right now I I've got a general clue, of course, of who I think is going to be at the top top of the conference. I think SMU, uh, Memphis. With Brady White returning, Tulane's going to be good again. They just got Jet du- uh, Jet Duffy from uh, Texas Tech to transfer and be a grad transfer quarterback who can move around and run. And then um, Cincinnati's going to be really good again. And and I think you're going to continue to kind of see the decline of UCF as like a a power in the conference. Uh, again, I'm just not sold on Josh Heupel and what he's doing over there. Navy will have to replace. Malcolm Perry, that's going to be a struggle. And then Houston, they're all they're going to be a tough out, but they're going to lose Derek King. I can tell you guys that. I don't think he's going to be back as a Houston Cougar. And and that program just Dana Holgerson hasn't done a terrific job of holding things together in either of his last two stops as of as of late. Like over the last three or four years, he just hasn't been great at managing a program. So I think that's going to be a struggle for them. And we'll kind of see what happens from there. ECU, they continue to kind of get better. USF, I think, will get better. Um, overall, I think the conference is going to kind of take a jump up a little bit. Obviously, losing uh, Connecticut was kind of a boost for everybody, so to speak. And then we'll, we'll kind of see. I'm probably forgetting somebody, but honestly, I haven't I haven't really taken a look at 2020 AAC football just yet. It, it's, uh, it's a little early for that, and especially when – We'll see transfers come in and out. I have no clue on who's going to be, you know, impact transfers or or a school that even could be that because you just don't know a lot of roster situations, how many spots schools have. Some schools just don't have the spots. SMU is kind of limited right now. Uh, I think only six spots for SMU right now uh, in terms of initial counters. So that's something to keep in, keep in mind. Um, but we'll kind of we'll keep an eye on it and, and we'll dive. I think a little bit more into. You know, 2020 AAC football uh, later on in the spring as spring football wraps up and things like that and, and transfers. And then obviously in the summer, we, we do our yearly 
you know, breakout, breakout uh, preview uh, uh, segments and, and um, pieces of, of each school, uh, of each program going into uh, the, the season that, that, that we'll have online for you guys. But I think it's time for a quick break from the pod because if you don't like following SMU basketball right now, one, uh, they're, they're playing really well. But two, uh, you can turn off the podcast at this point, but uh, we're going to take a quick break from the pod. We're going to talk a lot about SMU's win over UCF, kind of where things stand with Tim Jankovic, maybe still on the hot seat, and um, just kind of overall uh, what's next for the program as, as they continue to navigate AAC schedule. So we'll be right back with more of the Pony Stampede podcast after this quick break. The Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. SMU coming off a win over UCF. Uh, they jumped out to a big lead and then kind of were able to hold off uh, the Knights in, in Moody Coliseum on Wednesday with an 81-74 win. Kendrick Davis, game-high 22 points. Ferran Hunt added another 20. And look, I think Kendrick is really starting to, um, to, to really play well uh, for SMU, get a little bit more comfortable running this offense, seven assists on the night, ninth straight game with five assists or more, which is really impressive for him. And it's the fourth straight win for SMU, and they're shooting about 53%, over 50% from the field, and their three-point shooting has really come around, uh, shooting 43% from beyond the arc. Look, we won't know where this team really stands until – a few more games into the into the AAC, and at, it it just when you try to break down where this team is, they just really haven't faced anyone right now. I mean, their 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 one win that is worth anything is over Vanderbilt in overtime when Vandy crapped down their leg and threw the game away, basically. So we're we're still. It won't be until Houston on on Wednesday night, January fifteenth, when when you get an idea of where SMU basketball stands. Houston, I, even they're even they're not as they're not playing as well as I thought they would uh, this year. But look, you've got Houston, you've got Temple, and then uh, you'll kind of get into the more of the meat of the schedule with Memphis and Cincinnati uh, late in the month of January, and that's when we'll have an idea of where SMU basketball really stands, because. As ugly as it's been to watch this team, especially offensively, play basketball, they're shooting 53% from the field and they're shooting 43% from three-point range in their last four games, which is impressive. So they're shooting really well. And I was asked specifically about the system for SMU, which it's just like, if you watched SMU under Larry Brown, I mean, it's terrible. I I mean, it is... It is brutal basketball to watch that what what they're rolling out from a system perspective right now on the floor. And it's just, you know, it is what it is. And I I would I don't know if that, if SMU has a true system because from what I've learned like following the program under Tim Jankovic, they really do change their system much more. Than, than you think. I mean, it, it's really, it's really kind of bizarre each year that they they kind of go into different things and 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 different actions and all of that. So it's tough to kind of say. I mean, a couple of years ago it was positionless, and now it's it's basically you know, it, it's just. I mean, it's brutal. 
I mean, it's brutal to watch. You know, defensively, they're playing pretty well, and that 2-3 zone kind of saves them. But it's, you know, right now they're not, in my opinion, this is my opinion, because we've seen so many breakdowns in man-to-man, it's not even funny. And against better teams, I think SMU has a has a couple more losses on on their on their list uh, or on their schedule because of it. But they have not they're not they're not coached well in man to man defense. I mean, it, it's the amount of open shooters that that we saw in in non conference play uh, was was astounding. And again, against better teams, SMU probably has a couple more losses. And I'm not talking about like oh well if you know they're playing Kentucky it's it's a loss. I'm talking about like. Like a van, if they had scheduled one more Vanderbilt level, or or maybe another Quadrant Three team, that they're looking at a loss because some of these guys are just so open. So it's um it, it's it is what it is, but um you know it we'll, we will find out really where this team is at uh in a couple games because they're going to face some adversity against Houston, Cincinnati, Memphis. That's real. Um, and 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 have to have to overcome it and and they had they did a good job against UCF who's, who's got some talent well coached team against Johnny Dawkins uh, and they were able to pull away and 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 eventually uh, you know put the nail in the coffin in in the nights when um, they were able to they were able to um, uh, you know just pull away so I think it's kind of in a standstill because I'm asked you know how many games does J- Tim Jankovic need to win and he doesn't need the it's not a certain number. It's it's a it's a it's a landmark, and that's reached the NCAA tournament. I I'm a I'm a, I think I'm a big believer that it that it is uh, that it's that it's NCAA tournament or bust. Because if you watch this team, they do have the talent to make it there. If you watch them play, I don't think they have the talent to to or I don't think they have the the right system to and our coach well enough to make it to the NCAA tournament. And that's going to be the difference. And I, I think, and to build off of that, I was asked, how do I think that all of the guys returning will play next year um, as they st- you know get another year in the program? Well, two, I think one, naturally they'll get better. But after that, what, what's kind of, what's the future hold? I mean, that's, that's a big question. And I, I just, you don't have, these elite players that are that are going to be that are going to be continue to be in the program after next year that you got to feel good about uh, from from that perspective and so uh, I think next year would be they'd be better they'd get Darius McNeil maybe maybe Will Douglas leaves maybe C.J. White leaves maybe they replace them with better players who knows but it's it's just kind of this. Are you are and, and this is how I view pretty much everything in terms of coaching and decisions and all that. Are you getting better in terms of the rest of the conference? Like, are you improving your standing in the conference, or are you keeping status quo? Are you falling behind? I mean, you look at just what the rest of the conference is doing. I, I think you're falling behind, and that's that's why I just think a change is probably coming because I don't think they'll make the NCAA tournament. They'll, they'll maybe make the NIT. But again, when you get to the NIT, we talked about playing better teams. And if SMU had played better teams, maybe a couple more losses on the schedule, that's where that'll come into play. I don't see a deep NIT run coming for SMU because I don't think they'll be seeded well in the NIT. And then from there, you know, you, you play some good teams and, and you'll probably get beat. 
And so that, that, that wouldn't even be like an uptick in the program. And that's why I think they'll make a change. So a um, couple more questions on, on basketball. It, it, it's, is, does SMU have a marquee game on its schedule this year or just in general? The marquee game would be Houston normally in terms of a measuring stick. And then TCU, and they're not, they're not playing TCU this year. That, that game will probably be back next year from everything I've heard. Uh, that was on TCU's side that they did not want to play it. But Houston's the measuring stick. And, you know, if I, I don't think I don't, I don't think David Miller is going to be very happy if SMU's run out of the gym against Houston both times. I just don't. I, I just, if you do it, that is the game where if they blow the doors off of them, it's going to be bad, and I just don't. I think there are certain moments that, when you get to this point where things are on thin ice, that can kind of tip the iceberg. And I think if SMU get, loses to Houston both times this year, I, I would have to imagine Tim Jankovic is, is done as head coach at SMU. So that, those are big games from from a, from a you know just overall perspective uh, that I'd say. Um, and. Finally, I was asked about women's basketball and what I think about kind of where the program is and whatnot. I'll be honest with you guys, haven't had any time to watch. So I don't want to talk on it and, and act like I know anything. Uh, hopefully now that football season's winding down and is over, I'll be able to kind of give a little bit more attention to them. But I'll be honest, I haven't watched one second of women's basketball, haven't paid attention to it. Um, so I, I, I think, um, you know, just kind of you'll have to read tea leaves or whatever from from game recaps on on. Uh, smumustangs.com from from them and, and kind of what they put out there for on the women's program. So with that, guys, I think we've talked enough about uh, basketball and all of that just in general. It's been a long podcast. It's been a good one, I think, I feel like. I feel like I gave you guys some uh, good good things to debate on Pony Stampede. So definitely do that. Again, $1 gets you two months of Pony Stampede, so check that out. Hope everybody has a great weekend and uh, really enjoy the national championship game on Monday night. That'll be a fun one. I think LSU is going to end up coming out on top over Clemson, but a little bit closer than people expect um, in that one. It'll be, I think we're in for a treat on Monday night. So hope everybody enjoys that. Hope everybody enjoyed the pod. And uh, with that, guys, we're going to wrap this one up. And again, have a great weekend.